you know, along with my team, just, just you know, just some, some good television, man. And the fighters that delivered tonight, we had great fights. Fighthype.com here with my man, Andre Ward, fresh off of ESPN duties. How you doing, bro? Good, man. I had to, uh, had to go take a walk, man. I've been in my office for seven hours, locked in, um, just trying to give the people... You know, along with my team, just, just you know, just some, some good television, man. And the fighters that delivered tonight, we had great fights. So it was a blessing. Looking forward to coming back Thursday. Hey, yo, that's crazy. I mean, I, I know I had uh, uh, talked to you a little earlier, but that's crazy that they keep you sequestered for like seven. Like, I wouldn't even think that a commentating job is something that takes seven hours out of the day to do. No, nah, it's a grind. But this is what we signed up for, man. And if you... If you love it, if you love being in the game and you, and you love the, the art of broadcasting and commentate, man, you know, it's no complaints. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, talk to me about the fight. I mean, obviously, you know, all the fights look like they came off without a hitch. Everybody that was supposed to win won. But um, tell me about Shakur, man. Like, what, what did you think about his performance? Man, he did everything he was supposed to do. I mean, Kurt Carabayo was tough. He, you know, he probably put up a, a, a tougher fight than a lot of people thought he would. Um, you know, as soon as the name came out about who Shakur was going to fight, you see a bunch of, you know, people writing and tweeting, oh, why is he fighting this guy? It's the right guy at the right time, given the circumstances. And, and Shakur or his team, none of us owe an explanation. He's a young fighter. He's developing. You know, I think he has the skill to be an all-time great as he stays focused. But that doesn't mean you rush that. You take your time with that. You let that develop at the right time and he did what he's supposed to do man he you know he boxed tonight he dealt with early pressure never panicked stayed patient it's the, the the most deliberate and, and 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 vicious body attack that i've seen him put on his whole career he and i talk about that all the time about the next phase of his game which is mid-range and in close he delivered tonight and that's what got the job done yo i wanted to ask about that body attack was that something that you know he kind of game plan for before the fight or was that something where you know he just he made an adjustment. He saw what the guy was giving him and just kind of adjusted to it. It was both. I mean, that's something that you drill all the time in the gym. Like, before my, my inside game showed up in the Allen Green fight, I was drilling that two years prior. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with him. We've been talking about this for for years now. Hey, this, hey tougher fights. Guys going to come. They're going to take the early shots upstairs. Man, we got to be able to slip in there and handle your business. And I'm sure, you know, Terrence talks to him about the same thing because Terrence is a great body puncher. So it's just, it's, 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 it's the next phase of his game that's that's constantly in the making, mm -hmm. and it'll show up like 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 times tonight. And you know, this guy took a lot. You know, he could. Some guys can just take it to the head, but they can't take it to the body for too long. Mm -hmm. Especially when you get that right shot in there. And he took a you know slight step to the right and got the the, the left shot in there to the solar plex, and the night was over. You know, I, but I'm sure you, you've probably spoken to him already since the fight and everything, but they were supposed to do a post-fight press conference. They actually, they, they ended up canceling it because of technical difficulties, so I, I didn't get a chance to ask any questions, but I saw in the fight, he was kind of shaking his left hand. It looked like he dropped the left on the top of his head or something like that. Is, is his hand okay, or, or is there an injury or anything? Yeah, he's, uh, uh, he's at the doctor's right now getting checked out, so hopefully it's nothing, you know, uh, fractures micro fractures that kind of stuff for a fighter is normal i hope it's nothing major he wants to get back in there as soon as possible so i hope it's just something that he just you know he just a punch that he landed the wrong way uh, and caught his thumb in an awkward position but hopefully it's nothing
I know it's 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 always too early to talk about what's next right after the fight, but I'm just kind of curious about the weight. Um, yeah. Is is he kind of? I mean, he looked good at 130. I mean, didn't look any different to me. Um, is is 130? Someplace that he wants to stay at is—is is he still gonna—is he gonna move back down? Finish? Is—is is it just kind of depend on what comes up next? Well, he's the boss, so he'll tell us what he wants to do. We'll give our suggestions, and and we being James Prince, Josh Dubin, top rank, we'll put our hands together. But then ultimately, he's got to make the decision. He knows how his body felt. He looked good to me tonight. Mm-hmm. He looked, you know, very sturdy under his legs. He looked physically strong. Um, I like the way he looked at 130, but he still holds a belt at 126, so he's got options. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought he looked real strong at 130. I mean, is yeah. is, is 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 going back to 126 even necessary? I mean, I know everybody talks about the Warrington fight, um, but that seems like the only fight really worth staying there for. If if that's even a fight worth staying for, if that fight doesn't present itself, yeah. is, is it time to just say, you know what, let's just move on? <laughs> I mean, again, that's something we have to talk about as a team and we got to get, you know, Shakur's blessing with. But uh, my assumption is that, you know, if he can't get one of the big names, he wants to move up and chase the big names at 130. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. Well, uh, you know, whatever he does, I think the sky's the limit. I know they try and make a lot of comparisons to Floyd Mayweather. I know that's something, even though it's not disrespectful or anything, but I know it's not something that he really is into. I mean, I think he made it a point to say, look, I take, you know, I took some stuff from Floyd. I took some stuff from Dre. I take some stuff to uh, from, from Terrence Crawford. When you hear a fighter say something like that, whether it's your fighter or any other fighter, is that something that makes you feel like, like, yeah, like he's doing all the right things. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I, I love it. I think I think Shakur is dealing with the comparisons just right. You know, he's paying homage and, and, and showing respect to the guys that, that that he looked up to and and took took parts of their game from. But he's also, you know, he's being sober uh, from the standpoint of not falling into that trap. A lot of guys that that crashed and burned trying to next whoever. Mm-hmm. Mayweather, Andre Ward, uh, Muhammad Ali. You know how many guys got knocked out trying to be Ali and having their hands down and pulling straight back (laughs) but didn't have the legs, didn't have the reflexes, didn't have the IQ. So he's doing the right thing. He's he's paying homage. He's showing respect. But I don't want Shakur to be the next Andre Ward. I don't want him to be the next Floyd. I don't want him to be the next Terrence Crawford. I want him to be better than all of us. I want him to make more money than we all made, leave the game with more money. Um... I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not tripping, man. I, I want him to accomplish more than me, man. Be greater than us. You know, we're just a template and a foundation of something you can build on. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Bob Olson here with Best Psychic Directory. I want to thank you for coming. I want to introduce you to the site a little Hey everyone, Chloe here and welcome back to my channel. And if you are new here, hello and hi and welcome. So I wanted to share some commentary and to share my point of view, not only of Floyd Mayweather's daughter, Yaya Mayweather, but also on women and on young women who are in relationships that are abusive and relationships that are toxic 
and relationships that are unfulfilling and relationships that are dysfunctional to the bone and relationships that will drag and relationships that will have a woman in the sunken place. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ayana Yaya Mayweather, who is only 20 years old, was reportedly arrested for felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon after allegedly stabbing one of her fiancés, many baby mamas, with a kitchen knife. Now, Yaya was arrested, she posted bail, and like a page that was ripped out of a TV One playbook was right back into the toxic arms of her fiancé, YMBA young boy. Now, clearly, Yaya Mayweather is dazed and confused and is completely uh, caught up in her feelings and lost and is hungry for love and is starving for YMBA's validation, which is a strong sign of her low, low self-esteem. But she is also out of order and out of control, and she is completely in her feelings, and she is so out of her eggplant mind that she has put herself into a position where she very well may lose her freedom. But when it comes to self-esteem and worth, a lot of people do not seem to comprehend that money is not the cure-all for a woman who is damaged. And a lot of people seem to not understand that people tend to operate from a place of what was modeled to them, and that a lot of women and men tend to operate from a place of childhood invalidation and childhood neglect. Uh, ladies and lurkers who are ear hustling, it is human nature to respond to life based on what we know, not on what people tell us to do or what people tell us that we should be doing. And more specifically, as women, we are less inclined to respond favorably to judgment and finger-wagging and humiliation and shaming tactics, and we are more inclined to repeat what was modeled to us and to emotionally uh, search for what was missing from our childhoods, which is why uh, generational curses are so strongly uh, recycled and rehashed and perpetuated. And this is why I am always beating a dead horse about self-esteem and self-worth and self-love, because without it, a woman will attract the worst of the worst of the worst when it comes to low-value men. And not only will she attract it, but she will stay with it until she is full. Because the more a woman learns how to love herself, the easier it becomes for her to walk away from problematic and low-value men of the world. But when it comes to abusive situations, most women will not step away from the table of dysfunction until they are full. And full, and I want you to listen carefully here, is hurtful, meaning one woman's full can be three months, and for another woman, her full can be three years, and for another woman, her full can be 30 years. And I find that when a woman finds herself in the midst of a toxic relationship dynamic, that often uh, these kinds of relationships show up in our lives to teach us the vital lessons that we need to become powerful, smarter, and wiser women. But when we refuse to heal, and this is where many women get stuck, and when we refuse to grow, and when we dig our heels into seeing ourselves as victims, that is when a woman is inclined to create the most suffering for herself, and the suffering will last as long as it needs to last when a woman refuses to learn the lesson. And that is the epitome of the phrase, a hard head makes a soft behind. 
ladies, and this may be triggering for some of you to hear, but we don't learn vital life lessons by living a perfect and flawless lives. That is delusion and magical thinking. Our best life lessons tend to come from uh, painful relationships and from risk-taking and from being vulnerable and from failing and failing hard. And there is no woman who is listening or lurking or ear hustling on this channel who has made a top to bottom and front to back perfect relationship decisions and perfect relationship choices. And there is no woman uh, listening to this video who has never used poor decision making or who hasn't had poor judgment when it comes to a man. And any woman who tries to act like uh, she's never made a mistake is a self-righteous one. And as feminine women in the making, I implore you to avoid self-righteous women at all costs. Because any woman who tries to uh, front like she's got it all together and who acts like she's never made a mistake is a woman whose closet is more than likely bursting at the seams with dysfunction, a lot of falsehoods, and a lot of lies and a graveyard of skeletons. Now, when it comes to women who are in the thick of dysfunction, like Yaya Mayweather, uh, quite honestly, I find that women who are caught up in this very common toxic abuse dynamic, and Yaya is definitely caught up, are women who will only get up from the table when they are full and not a minute sooner or later. And when I say getting up from the table when she is full, it means that women are only inclined to remove themselves from a toxic relationship or hypogamy or being with a zeta, omega, or beta male destiny or deadbeat is when she has had her full and when she has had enough. And when it comes to her full, every woman is different when it comes to tolerance and her personal uh, threshold for pain because there are a variety of nuanced X factors that make all women unique in their experiences. Now, all of us who are listening have different personalities and different temperaments, and we all have had a different childhood, and all of us were uh, raised or not raised uh, by a different mother and father or by grandparents or by a foster mother or by an adoptive mother or by a toxic mother or by toxic parents. Uh, ladies, these are our influences, and I find it uh, highly interesting how many people tend to ignore the powerful uh, nuances that have an overwhelming influence on our relationship choices now when a woman is being uh, beaten down like a drum or when a woman is being manhandled or manipulated or lied to uh, by an abuser or when a woman is with a shiftless dusty Unfortunately, with most women, they are not done until they are done. Now, of course, from the outside looking in, our inclination is to want to shake that woman at her core or out of her living nightmare. But I find that women who are in the midst of the sunken place are often in the midst and in the thick of a very powerful soul tie, right? And are in the thick of a very powerful and emotional toxic bond. And that bond cannot be broken with a public shaming or finger wagging or humiliation or embarrassment. That bond is usually broken when a woman has had her full of dysfunction and her full truly depends on her and the lessons that she needs to learn for herself. 
And I know that this isn't the response or the commentary that many of you who are listening and ear hustling came to hear. And I know that a lot of you are uh, bloodthirsty for viciousness and nastiness. And a lot of you who are listening are very uh, heavily invested in the blame game. But as a feminine woman who consults many lost and broken women, uh, that is not my style. And although I may laugh and crack a lot of jokes, especially on my Instagram at Hypergamous Hive, I find that my talents are best served when they are helping women to understand their worth and their feminine power as opposed to living to drag women for filth. Now, please keep in mind that I don't have a problem with dragging problematic men or women. But for the purposes of this video, I have no interest in dragging a 20-year-old lost-in-the-sauce child. But as a cautionary tale for my listeners, for Yaya Mayweather, she will have to learn uh, in due time, in her due time, that she is with a low-value man who has a low-value frequency and that she is with a young boy who is completely lost and who is a product of his own uh, damaged upbringing and his own damage and dysfunction. So that's all I have to say on this for now. The lesson to be learned here is that although her daddy, Floyd Mayweather, got millions in the bank, okay? Yaya Mayweather does not love or like herself. And the lesson to be learned here is to take men off the pedestal. And the lesson to be learned here is to make yourself the prize. And the lesson to be learned here is for Yaya to seek professional help because as of now, she is emotionally and violently unhinged and off of the rails. And if or when she ends up in prison, YMBA and his hieroglyphic speak will move on and replace Yaya's basket case mindset so fast that it will make her head spin. So ladies and lurkers, now it's your turn. Is Yaya Mayweather in love, love, or the sunken place. Share your comments and your experiences with toxic relationships below and stay tuned for more cautionary tales to come and I will catch up with you ladies and you lurkers in the next one. Where did you hear that from? I've never heard that. <laughs> Dave Jacobs was going to call you. 
disaster but i can remember like what took place 30 20 30 40 years ago i can remember duran's breath when he beat me the first <laughs> time in 1980 i can feel the punch of tommy hers and like i mean i can i can i can go back there i can well, just since, back you, since you bring since you bring up duran and and tommy hearns like okay now tell me this man now when you were getting ready to fight these guys when you were training and when you were getting ready to go in the ring on the night of the fight, did you ever, was there any time at the, in, that, in that process, did you ever think that you were going to lose the fight? No, I, it, it's rare. And I'm talking about like on, five, on, five, on my hand right now, maybe once, maybe twice. I, I, I didn't feel 100%. You know, sometimes we don't feel 100% when we do what we do best or naturally. And uh, the, the you don't come, it doesn't come out right. Whether it's the right. music, the fight, you know, football, basketball, whatever. It's just not right. You just don't have that touch, that feel. I've had a, a couple of those, a few of those, I should say. It's a scary, it's a scary moment. What did it, did it happen with the, with the Roberto, Roberto Duran? It, it yes, it did. Yes, it did. Also, Duran Duran got into my head. He 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 said some very awful things, and uh, he he made me so that I want to get back at him. No, <laughs> you want you, you want to hurt. <laughs> oh yeah. Is, is there a, is there another adjective too too harsh? <laughs> no, but you could say no you, wanted, you wanted you could say you wanted to kill him. That that that, that went through it. I I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. you know, when he when he when he pulled the nom the nomas, because I saw you once he when he said he was going to quit, and you you came back at him, you was ready to go. Some more because you couldn't believe that he was just gonna quit like that. But th was that a surprise to you? Was that like, uh, what's going on? That that was one of the most bizarre moments uh, in the rain. Um, I thought it was a trick. I thought he was trying to get me closer to him to lure me in. And uh, my brother Rogers. Said, wait, wait, wait! He quit. He quit, and because he, Duran wow, didn't. Say, he didn't that... say no. He didn't really say no mas. I think Howard Cosell said that, but but when you do that, that means what? Like no you know, mas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
I, I need to go home. That's what I that's what Yeah, it's, it's something like that. Yes, it's something like that. But no, we're all friends. We're good friends. I'm friend, I just I called Tommy uh, yesterday. I'm friends with Roberto. I, I'd stay in contact with him and uh, Marvin and I were civil to one another, but we're, we're still working on that. We're, we're, we're working on the relationship. Well, you know, you, you know, Marvin ain't got over that. He, he, he had to leave the whole country to try to get past what went down. And I've well, seen him. I've seen him, and he, he, he ain't. He's, he's not over that yet, sugar. He's just not over that. Well, Eddie, what, what did you? When the fight was announced, what did you think? Who who did you think would win? Now, we're, we're close friends. So you can say whatever you want to say now. But what, what you got to understand is, man, that I've I've always been uh, a Sugar Ray Leonard fan. So and you know we we've hung out and I've, I've we've done we've had a good time together. So I, I never I never thought to beat you. I never thought I I knew rough. I knew. Was, he could punch hard, and I knew that he could take a punch, but I never thought that he would beat you. I never thought that he could do it. But he, but he, Eddie, we we hung out together a lot. Yes. So. <laughs> okay. Ray, I don't think. I, <laughs> I don't know what you thought. <laughs> no, man. Those, those, were, those were the times. But wait, those you, were know, the times. I thought, you know, you and Tommy had a great, great wars. Great wars. I mean, you know, and you and Hagler was a great, great fight. But the fight that really intrigued me the most was the Benitez fight. I mean, you know, oh because... God. You know what I'm saying? That was a truly, truly, truly great fight, man. I mean, y'all was y'all was warring on each other. He has never been given his just due. Wilfred Benitez was one of the great, if not the greatest, white fighters in the world. He was so elusive, quick, fast, smart. He had it all. And after that fight, because I beat him with a little... I came on strong in late rounds after the fight. Went to the hospital for dehydration, because it took it took that and everything else I had to beat this incredible talent champion. Yeah, he 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 he, he had he had a lot of finesse with him, Sugar. I mean, you know, now you're one of the best counter punchers in the business, and movement wise and all of that. Now. What about when you look at the fighters of the day? What do you really think about uh, 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 what's his name? Golovich, Golovich, Canelo, Yeah, him, him, Canelo, and what's his name? Golovich, Golovich. What What do you think about them as fighters? Do you think that they have that same kind of moxie? as the, the Hearns, the Haglers, the Durans back in the day? Those things happen intuitively when it's needed. It just doesn't happen like that. It's like when you, like, if I get knocked down, 
or you, you, I hurt Tommy, or I catch Hagel with this. Hagel's going to come back. Tommy Hearns going to come back. Ray's going to come back with something new but natural, if that makes any sense. All yeah. of a sudden now, it's, it's that intestinal fortitude. It's that heart. It's that, you know, it's, it's that the will to win. Well, to, well Ray, tell, win. Me this. tell me this. Tell me this. You, you, you got to be... You get, along with the skills, along with the boxing, along with the feints, along with the ducking, along with the, the rights and the lefts, tell me this. Now, how do you prepare yourself for, get, for getting a, a, a one of those power shots that shakes you and make you have to really shake yourself and bring you back from that place that, that, that it almost destroy you? How do you do that? Is that a mental thing? Is that something that you know, that you automatically, uh, you just make yourself shake well, it off and come back from it. That's a, that's a very good question and a very complicated question to try to articulate it. Um, it's that punch, it's that, it's that 13th round that you have two rounds left to kind of do the damage. It's, it's all heart. It's heart and mind. It's, it's composure. It's, um, the will to win is the determination. Uh, it's all those things, Eddie, that, that is required to, to be considered one of the best. You got to reach down as deep because Ali, Muhammad Ali was my dear friend. And he said, he said to me one time, long time ago, he said, Ray, we fought Joe Frazier the third time. He said, man, that was the closest thing. To and I looked at him like, I was like, what, what? So when I fought Hearns, when I fought Duran the first fight, when I fought Tommy Hearns the first fight, the knee test, I mean, those fights were like, I mean, the closest thing to death. I mean, you oh. go above and beyond what is normal. Or you, push the, you push the body to a point that most people could not do that. Because it's not couldn't, but they, they would want to, but we want to. Yeah. You, you, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. In other words, you're, you're reaching down way inside of yourself, making yourself go to places that you wouldn't ordinarily go. It, it, it's something that you, 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 you just got to pull, pull from within and make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Now, that is as so far as, now, now, when you, when you, when you uh, talk about uh, Canelo, do you think you could have, uh, with yes, I mean, the thing about being a fighter, being a champion, it's like you believe that you can beat everybody or anybody. It's, I don't care who you ask, Canelo, ask anybody, any fighter, any champion of that level, he can beat everybody. Yeah, we don't, we don't think that way. We don't, we don't operate that way. <laughs> okay, it's so, like, so, okay, now, now. Another question. Uh, Angelo Dundee, James Morton, uh, Jay Jacobs. Now, yep. out of those trainers, those out of those three people, which one would you say was your uh, the guy that you would call in if you if you were on your last dying breath and you needed someone to push you? to that next level, which one of those would you call? 
I don't need to be pushed. I didn't need to be pushed. I need to be reminded. Okay. Well, like okay. Prime, prime example, Eddie, when 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 uh, when Angelo Dundee said, "You when I fought Tom Harris, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it." Like in the twelfth round, he it was a perfect sound, but he said the right thing at the right time with the right tone. He he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't you know frightening and scary and everything. He said, "You're blowing it, son. You're blowing it." And he said the right thing, right time, and I, right away, I, I knew what he meant. Because the fighter knows when he's losing. We know when we're losing the fight. It's so obvious that we're losing. Or behind, or it's too close to, it's too close for comfort. Wow. That's great. As Angelo was asked that. And that, that was vintage Angelo right there, right? Angelo Dundee, yeah, Angelo Dundee. I have, I had an incredible team. Uh, Dave Jacobs, Pepe Carrera, Morton. I mean, Angelo Dundee. I, I had, I had one of the, some of the best people out. A great corner. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, uh, uh, just, just uh, when I, when I say to you, I know that each one of those trainers brought something different to you. And I mean, they, 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 Dave Jacobs were with you from a young age, along with James oh. Martin, right? And then, right. then uh, Angelo Dundee. But in reading some, reading about you, that's who Muhammad Ali told you that was gonna be the man for you, would be Angelo Dundee. You know, and how, Absolutely, it was total the truth. When, when I, because I had no intentions of turning professional, I, I won the Olympic gold medal. That I was coming home to go to University of Maryland. My coma was going to a coma. We needed money, and when I decided to turn pro, Ali told me, he "said Ray, you, you got to have uh, Angelo Dundee in your corner." I said, "Why?" He said, "He's the right, he's the right complexion, he's the right connection." He said that. I think he was, I think he was joking. Yeah, well. <laughs> I was pretty, pretty naive, pretty slow back then. But uh, Angelo was just a major asset to my to my group, my, my guys. Yeah, but, but uh, see, see, see uh, those those people right there are the people that brought was able to make you to become the greatest, one of the greatest fighters. Now, one do you think that it, now you know I like I love I love Floyd Mayweather. I think he's pretty good. But do you, how how do you think you and him would have mixed it up if uh, back in the day? Floyd, Floyd Floyd Mayweather Jr. is very good. He's not good. He's exceptionally good. Yeah. Uh, could he hold his own against us? Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, he could. He's a smart fighter, technical fighter, and. Uh, it, it, that would be interesting. I mean, Mayweather. I, I beat his father, by the way. Uh, back at yeah, yeah. That's probably. Uh, and it, yeah, yeah. In fact, Floyd Mayweather Senior. He gave me a tough time. He gave me. He had extremely quick hands. Smart, very technical in the. He just had bad hands. He hit you, then he then he couldn't hit you anymore. But um. And but Floyd Jr. is uh, 
He's what boxing's all about. Absolutely. He's, uh, he's, he's quite, quite a guy. And pretty much everything has been, you know, done through it. There's, you know, fresh paint, there's, uh, new. Hi, I'm calling about a one-bedroom apartment that I saw listed. Um, I saw a signage on the street that I was just calling to see if it's... Oh, yeah. Um, well, I can give you some information on it. It's a 16-unit building, so it's pretty quiet here. And uh, it's approximately 700 square feet. And pretty much everything has been, you know, gone through it. There's, you know, fresh paint. There's uh, new, uh, newer, you know, carpet. You know, it's very plush and padded. Um, there's waterproof hardwood floors in both the bathroom and the kitchen. And new ceiling fans and... Um, uh, lots of lots of closets space man in fact it's wall-to-wall closet what's going on guys welcome back to the channel it's a very hot day in los angeles it is so hot right now i feel like i'm melting um but anyway i'm looking for another apartment i'm trying to move um and one of the reasons that i'm moving is because i just need more space i need more space to create i need more space to work i need more space to think um i'm currently in a one-bedroom apartment in the valley when I say the Valley, I mean San Fernando Valley. Um, so that's typically Studio City, North Hollywood, Sherman Oaks, the Noise, and some others. So I'm trying to move to a different apartment um, within the area, ideally. Um, I'm also kind of considering uh, Hollywood Hills. I'm considering Hollywood, West Hollywood, East Hollywood, uh, North Hollywood, Sherman Oaks, and Studio City. So that's kind of like the areas that I'm looking at. One of the most important things to me with this apartment search is um, natural light. Natural light is very important, especially for YouTube videos, because I want to make dope content for you guys. I want to create a lot of um, really creative videos, and I need that natural light flowing into the apartment. So being able to create from home would be a big plus. Um, another thing that I'm looking for is an open floor plan, uh, because that way I can kind of move stuff around and create different sets within the apartment.
so this first apartment is in Sherman Oaks. Um, I really love this outdoor kind of mini yard or courtyard or whatever you want to call it. Um, you can do a lot with this space. You can put a gym equipment here, especially with everything being closed down. Walking inside the units. This unit was advertised as a one-bedroom apartment. This is a walk-in closet. It's a very modest size um, living room. It's not huge. Not a great amount of natural light, but it's not bad. And oh my goodness, this is the kitchen. You've got to be kidding me. For $2,000, this is the kitchen you get. Wow. Um, this, I mean, the appliances in the kitchen are nice, I guess. But the fact that it's like in a narrow hallway or narrow, I wouldn't even call it a closet. Like, how do you open the fridge and get out at the same time? It's so narrow. Um, anyway, let's take a look at the bedroom. Jeez, this is the bedroom, guys, for $2,000 in Sherman Oaks. Um, this is actually a den, not a bedroom. This is a den. So again, it was advertised as a one bedroom, but as you can see, it's literally a den. There's no closet in the bedroom, um, just one small window. Like by the time you put your bed, I have a queen size mattress. And by the time I put that in this room, like, that pretty much takes up the entire space. Ah, uh, okay. Um, the bathroom, at least the bathroom is not terrible. Um, interesting subway tiles here. Uh, okay. Uh, sink. The vanity mirror is extremely small. What's up, guys? And this here is weird because this is the laundry room in your living room. And the tenant upstairs has access to your laundry. <laughs> the, the tenant upstairs has access via the, uh, via the door, this door on the right. The tenant has access to this room. To the laundry room which is in your living room so it's weird that your neighbor can literally come into your living room i guess and use the laundry while you're on the other side of the door another interesting thing is these freaking stairs in the living room that leads to nowhere so these stairs actually leads to the upstairs units but they've blocked it off so you don't walk into your neighbor's apartment but it's weird that the staircase is actually inside of your living room so um yeah guys this unit is definitely a no a no to the highest power for me uh i'm definitely not considering this apartment um two thousand dollars no thank you okay so just a quick note i've been living in los angeles for about six years now and when i first moved i felt like you can get a lot more bang for your buck but since i've been here it's like the rent has been increasing every single year and now it's becoming um, unaffordable pretty much where you can barely get a one bedroom or even a studio apartment for about $2,000. Now $2,000 a month is a lot of money. And in most cities that would get you a really spacious two bedroom at least at the bare minimum, maybe even a three bedroom. But in Los Angeles, that can barely get you a one bedroom apartment. Now, of course, you can always move a little bit further out like into South Central. But when you move further out of um, the Los Angeles area, you're also sacrificing your safety a little bit. So South Central is a lot more affordable. Um, 
So South Central is a lot more affordable, but it's definitely a little bit more sketchy and you have to worry about your safety. And that's something that I don't want to think about. I don't want to have to worry about my safety. I want to be in a safe and secure neighborhood. Hi, um, I'm calling about a two-bedroom apartments. Uh, one bath that I saw available is posted right in front of the building. I want to see. Yeah, is it still available? It's still available. And how much is it? Uh, how many people is it for? One. One person? Yes. And let me just ask you all right at the top. You have credit. My credit is excellent. Excellent. If you have good credit, uh, two thousand dollars a month. Two thousand dollars a month. Yes. It's uh -huh. two bedroom, single bath, and actually it's twenty two hundred dollars. But you know, for a guy with good credit and single, I'll, I'll give it to you for two thousand dollars a month. How many square foot? And it's about a thousand square feet. Nice. Is it possible to take a look at it? There is. Do me a favor, I'm actually in San Francisco right now. Okay. Uh, knock on the door. You said to knock on the door? Are you in front of the building? Yeah, I'm in front of the building. Try to knock or Okay, pause. Now this guy wanted me to go in and knock on the door of the tenant who's already living in the units to knock on his door and say, hey, can I see your apartment? Now that's definitely a no-no, especially being a black man in this country. Um, I can't just walk up to some, uh, some guy's door who I've never met and say, hey, you know, the landlord told me I could come check out your units. Um, that's not professional. So I'm definitely gonna wait for him to get back to me and hopefully see the units because it does sound promising. One tip about searching for apartments in LA is that you can start your search on Westside Rentals. Um, also, apartments.com is also another um, good resource for looking for apartments. You can check Craigslist. However, if you check on Craigslist, that's usually the last place that a lot of realtors post um, their listings. So you would find that a lot of those apartments are already gone by the time you see it. One more thing to point out is that a lot of realtors are actually kind of lazy in Los Angeles in the sense that they don't want to show up. They don't want to show you the units. They want to do it at their own time when it's convenient. So it's very difficult to get um, a time scheduled for you to take a look at it. So if you're really in a hurry to find an apartment, the best way is to drive by the neighborhood that you want to stay at and just kind of like look around and look at look for the lease inside. Say hi to Lash Freak Mascara. This formula is going to give your lashes 23.6 times the volume plus 40% more visible length. It's flake-proof, smudge-proof, and is going to give you lashes that last up to 20 hours. A formula so bold, it doesn't even need to be pumped. The freaky brush comes out fully loaded with product to coat every lash. The asymmetric brush makes it super easy to get the exact level of freakiness that you desire. Stuck on homework? Snap any math or science problem. Get free answers in seconds. Solve all your geometry problems. And even all your words.
So now this unit is a loft apartment, a studio loft. There is no bedroom in this unit. Um, so that's going to be interesting. However, it's a loft apartment, really high ceilings, which um, I'm kind of into, especially being um, tall. I like high ceilings because it doesn't make me feel like I'm closed in. Um, and it kind of gives you more open, uh, bigger feel, lets more air. Uh, there's a lot more natural light and whatnot. So anyway, so this is a big complex apartment, tons of amenities. There's a swimming pool, there's a gym, there's a movie theater, um, there's like a meeting area, there's um, sort of like a business office where you can host people. Um, the pool area has um, these little cute canopies, which I'll show you guys later. Now walking into the units, as you can see, um, huge open space floor plan, which I like. These big windows let in a lot of natural lights. But again, the fact that there's no bedroom really kind of like makes me question. I'm not used to living in a studio space. I'm more used to living in a one bedroom. But I understand that if you're considering a loft, um, most loft apartments are just one big open space with no bedroom. Um, but the plus side is that the ceilings are really high. You can do a lot with this with the space. Um, these are the appliances in the kitchen, I guess. A very updated, nice feel. Um, it's a huge open space and a lot could be done with it. The space actually looks a lot bigger um, than the video shows. Uh, but the space is not bad at all. In here you have a walk-in closet. It's a decent size walk-in closet. Um, I think most of my clothes, if not all, could definitely fit in here with some good organization. Not bad, not bad. So this is the bathroom. Um, not terrible. Not terrible at all. This is the bathroom. It has kind of like a hotel feel um, to it. Um, the shower is not super updated, but at least it's clean. And that's pretty much it. There's not a lot to look at in this unit. Um, it's just one big open space, um, high ceilings, which I love. I can easily set up my photography background and get some shots in, especially with that big window there. Hurt. And I just gotta try. 
This one is actually in Hollywood Hills. Um, I like the location. Um, I like the location. Very big patio, nice view where you're just looking at the greenery and uh, a little bit of the freeway. Um, the negative is the sound. Um, there's a lot of noise from the cars on the street, so that could get pretty noisy. Um, but again, the view is nice. The patio area is beautiful. This is a one-bedroom for 2200 Um, there are no elevators, so it's stairs upstairs and downstairs on both sides. Um, so you would have to carry all of your heavy groceries and heavy furnitures and all that down these stairs and up these stairs. Um, inside, there's not a lot of natural lights. Um, as you can see in the video, the lights, the house lights are actually on, but it still feels dark. Um, the ceiling isn't high. It's about maybe seven and a half foot ceiling maybe seven foot um it's not high at all and it kind of feels uh, because it's dark it kind of feels like a little dated on the inside but again the space is big and once all these furnitures are gone um you can do a lot with it to make it your own so the thing is this unit is comes furnished for an extra 200 dollars a month so with furnished with furnitures it'll be 2400 and without furnitures it'll be 2200 this kitchen is really blowing me guys like electric stove sucks for cooking um and on top of that this electric stove is kind of a dated one um the cabinets are a little dated um but there's a lot of storage space looks like there's some crack and uh, broken cabinets here but um this is what you get guys this is what you get for two thousand two hundred dollars in los angeles um storage units so i can definitely store a lot of my um, gear, a lot of my equipment, um, extra stuff, lots of storage in this apartment, um, another storage space. Uh, let's see. This is like sort of like a mini pantry. It definitely feels dated, but I appreciate all the storage space. And the bathroom with these beautiful wall color. <laughs> The bathroom has this like medicinal blue. The bathroom has this medicinal blue and this um, dated floor tiles. There's no bathtub. Um, there's a standing shower, but that's okay. Um, not a very updated or modern standing shower. It kind of feels a little bit dirty. Uh, yeah, so the bathroom is not a lot to look at, but whatever. Let's see the bedroom. So the bedroom, um, again, not a lot of natural lights. As you can see, the lights, the house lights are actually on. And there's still not a lot of natural light coming in because these trees outside are actually shading and blocking the units. But again, I guess that's a plus because it keeps things cool during the summertime because we all know the, the valley in Hollywood Hills can get pretty hot. Um... So this is the bedroom. 
it has a walk-in closet a pink walk-in closet guys um but i'm sure this could be repainted and sort of like a makeshift um hanger for your clothes or a hanging bar for your clothes um so yeah so this is a walk-in closet and this is a bedroom little crack on the ceiling there but that's okay again the kitchen and the living room so for $2200 this is what you get in Los Angeles So these are some of the apartments that I was able to see today. Um, I'm still going to continue my search. Still going to keep an eye open. But anyway, um, drop your comments. I'd love to hear from you guys. What do you think about these apartments that I posted? Um, what do you think about the pricing? Are you considering moving? Are you looking? Do you have tips? Drop them in the comment box down below. Don't forget to sub. I'll see you guys in my next one. In today's video, I'm going to talk about eating for your body type as an endomorph. So. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, YouTube? Welcome back to the channel. It's Christine with Gage Girl Training, an online meal planning and coaching service. In today's video, I'm going to talk about eating for your body type as an endomorph. So, let's get started. Thank you guys for the feedback and response, overwhelming response actually from my eating for your body type video, and especially my endomorph pears versus apples video. And if you haven't checked those out, you can check them out here. I've gotten so many questions from my endomorph clients about how they should be eating, which shreds are right for them. And I want to get into the options you have as an endomorph and how you should know what eating style is best for you. Now, if you haven't seen from my other videos, endomorphs tend to have a slower metabolism they have a tendency to concentrate more in the lower half of their body more in the glute more in the legs more in the hips however that is my pear-shaped endomorphs i have some endomorphs who have a tendency to concentrate their extra body mass in their stomach which makes them apple-shaped endomorphs now the biggest questions my endomorph clients ask me is how should i eat and it's going to come down to your level of carb tolerance now that being said how do you determine what your carb tolerance is the first question i would ask you is when you consume carbs do you feel tired bloated lethargic and like you are still hungry even though you just ate a moderate amount of carbs now 
if your answer to this is yes, when I eat carbs, and I'm not talking like you just ate a big thing of pasta. I'm not talking about when you eat carbs in excess. I'm talking about when you just eat carbs. If you are still feeling tired and bloated and lethargic and like a constant craving for more and more and more, you most likely have a condition known as insulin resistance. What that means is when you consume carbs, you have a spike in your blood sugar. When that happens, that glucose that spiked your blood needs to be shuttled out of the blood and into your cells. That happens through the messenger hormone known as insulin. So what happens is insulin grabs the glucose in your blood and shuttles it into the cells. The problem is, for those of you who are insulin resistant, it means the insulin is grabbing onto the glucose, knocking on the door of your cells, and your cells are not responding. So what does that mean? It means your body's trying to take the glucose out of the blood and put it into your cells, but because there's a resistance to that insulin getting through into your cells, that means you can't use the carbs you just ate as energy so that means you're going to feel hungrier and hungrier and hungrier and you're actually starving on the cellular level if that's happening to you you most likely have insulin resistance and an intolerance to carbohydrates now for those of you who you eat carbs and you feel fine you feel full you feel satisfied you may not necessarily need to go on a low carb plan that means you have more of a moderate tolerance to carbohydrates there are plenty of endomorphs who can consume carbs and have zero issues so if you consume carbs you feel full you feel satisfied you feel all right you don't necessarily have to take a low carb high fat approach now that works in general for most endomorphs but i'm really finding in the last couple years it's kind of like two-thirds of my endomorphs are low carb tolerance and about one-third of my endomorphs are moderate carb tolerance so what does that mean if you have a lower tolerance to carbs or if you just have a gluten intolerance or there's specific fruits we can get into like bodmap stuff in another video but if you have a low carb tolerance it means your body doesn't fuel itself ideally when carbs are the primary fuel source and you would do a little bit better relying on more fats than carbs now for moderate carb tolerance i still recommend that you stay away from the heavier starches but still have paleo style carbs like gluten-free grain-free things of that nature in my experience in coaching endomorphs with moderate carb tolerance they tend to do slightly better on my paleo style approaches so these are your options if you have moderate carb tolerance i do recommend a more paleo approach but that doesn't mean low carb if you have a low carb tolerance i recommend a higher fat lower carb plan but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to go keto and i'm going to explain why so there are some situations where endomorphs should go on keto if you have pcos if you have insulin resistance, if you have prediabetes, diabetes, go on keto. It's a great way to manage insulin resistance. However, if you are an endomorph with low carb tolerance and a thyroid issue, under those circumstances, I recommend low carb, high fat. I have a great 10 week low carb, high fat protocol that works really well. This allows you to have higher fats, lower carbs, 
but not quite keto. So again, to recap, my moderate carb tolerance endomorphs would do best with a paleo. My low carb tolerance endomorphs would do best with keto. If you have PCOS, diabetes, pre-diabetes or insulin resistance, my low carb tolerance endomorphs with a thyroid issue. Again, with a thyroid issue, you don't want to necessarily go keto. It's too low in carb for you. I hope you found this helpful. If you have questions about which style plan is right for you, comment here or DM me on Instagram at Gage Girl Training. Thank you guys so much for watching and I'll see you in the next one. ulcerative colitis. Are you okay? Even when I was there. Hey, Amy Cassandra Martinez. I know you're here for this Nicki Minaj babe. Nicki Minaj confirms she's pregnant with her first child. Stay right here for all the details. How's it going, guys? I'm Amy Cassandra Martinez. I know you're here for this Nicki Minaj baby tea. Mwah. But first, please double check your subscribed and don't forget that notification bell. After months of speculation, Nicki has confirmed she's hashtag preggers. Nicki posted this photo and fans are going crazy. Now here are some ways Nicki semi-trolled us for speculating this, which we were obviously right for doing. Haha. Uh -huh. In May of this year, Nikki was doing a Twitter Q&A with the Barms when a fan asked her if she'd been busy cooking while self-quarantined. She talked about her famous cheeseburgers, really having red meat cravings, then salad cravings with extra jalapenos. Also, let's not forget her Twitter video she posted casually vibing to her verse in the Say So remix with Doja Cat. The video started out on a close-up of a miniature version of herself dressed in the same Street Fighter-inspired Fendi outfit from the cover art for Chun-Li. The video had a beating heart emoji and a date stamp near her stomach. Now, for the record, I was totally on the Nicki Minaj's pregnant train May 14th. Check out our video on that right here on Holly Scoop. Now, there was also this tweet earlier this month where she confirmed she was having nausea. My favorite part was, OMG, what do you think this means, guys? LMAO, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, and this tweet in response to a fan asking her to post a baby bump pic. The world is ready now, Nicki. And though I can't speak for the entire world, I think this is the happy news we so desperately want welcome right now. I totally respect her for waiting until she was ready to share this with the world. I'm also totally excited to see what else she shares from her pregnancy journey. Do you guys think she's having a boy or a girl? What do you think she'll name her baby? And when do you think she's due? So many questions, so little time. Let me know all of your speculations in the comments below. And for more on Nikki's baby news, check out the morning tea. And after that, hit the subscribe button and don't forget that notification bell. And then hopefully, yep. the light will go on and you'll realize that you're watching daytime tea times with Candace. Daytime tea times. Are we supposed to No way. Only I in your breast and that's totally true. Daytime tea times. It's time to pour this tea, stir this tea, and sip this tea. Let's get right into it. Hey guys, it's Candace. All right, you see that title, so you already know. We're about to talk about Miss Jada Pinkett Smith and her Red Table Talk. All right, guys, so today's episode was about facing addiction. Jada Pinkett Smith discussed her past with having a sex addiction. Her mother, Adrian, discussed her past and having a 20-year addiction to heroin. 
and there were also two special guests that joined them at the red table. There was R&B singer August Alsina, who discussed his addiction to weed and Percocet, and Will Smith's sister Ashley Marie, who discussed her addiction to weed. Y'all, it was a very, very powerful episode. The episode started with Jada Pinkett Smith reminiscing on growing up with a mother addicted to heroin. I think I didn't find out my mother was addicted to heroin until I was in my teens. I could tell when my mother was high. She couldn't make it on time to pick me up from school. Or she's nodding off, falling asleep in the middle of something. You just realize, oh, that's not being tired. That is like a drug problem. I couldn't hide the unmanageability of my life and the emotional damage and the spiritual damage that I did to myself and to her. You know, that that was devastating. When they actually sat down at the red table, Jada Pinkett Smith's mother, Adrian, was so overwhelmed with tears that she was actually unable to get some of her words out, but she was still able to tell her story and express the real reasons of why she decided to get clean after being addicted to heroin for 20 years. She explained that it was her love for a man that helped her to change. What made you decide, all right, I need to, this is it. 27 years ago. You know, I, I hate to say it. I have to put it on somebody else. No. Like, I, it, it wasn't about me. I had already lost my mother. I had already lost a husband. I had already lost another relationship. My friends were already frustrated with me. My sister was frustrated with me. You know, I knew that probably my job was in jeopardy. And at that time, I didn't think I was anything without a man. Right. And so I had this man come back in my life. And he actually said to me, you know, I heard that you had been in the treatment. And I started, you know, communicating with this person. And we had an opportunity for a relationship. And I thought that that would not happen. Wow. So it's sad to say that I did it for a man. But hey, but at the end of the day, you get to wherever you That's get. Right. And then hopefully, yep. the light <laughs> will go on and you'll realize that it's about you. That's right. That's right. And I had to come to the understanding that yeah, there was a power. Yeah. That God had been. <laughs> yeah. That God had been upon us. Yeah. You and me. Yeah. Through all of that. Yeah. And I just had to let go. I had to let go. And surrender. Yeah. So that I could receive what he was trying to Yes. Through other people. <laughs> I can't even get it out. Yep. I'm proud of you, Gas. No tears. No tears. Only tears. That's tears of joy right there. Yeah. You made it through. Yeah, that, that, let me tell you. That that's exactly. You made it over. Yeah. Those are tears of triumph. Yes. But I guess I'm just sad thinking about the fact that I wasn't even at that time doing it for myself. Oh my goodness, y'all. That part brought me to tears. It just was so sad. I definitely.
picture that you will remember really well. It was six years ago. Jeremy Meeks was named uh, the hot felon uh, after this mugshot went viral. The former Crips gang member has since launched his own fashion label. He's now using his newfound fame as a platform to stand against racism following the death of George Floyd. And Jeremy joins us now live from Los Angeles. Good morning to you. Hello. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's nice to see you. I, it's um, Jeremy, I didn't know your history before we knew that you were coming on the show today. And I realised that actually what a, what a difficult childhood you had growing up. Both your parents were heroin addicts and you grew up in that environment. I think when you were born you, as a baby, you were dependent on heroin. What, what was life like when you think back uh, to those childhood years for you? Um, life was, you know, life was, life was rough, but, you know, also I, I really just need to touch on, you know, growing up, I also was half white and half black. Um, so I know I'm switching to a whole nother subject. Um, but those difficulties in itself, um, on top of everything else you see what i'm saying like mm -hmm. it's you know um it's a hard it's a hard childhood to uh I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone you know i would just say that um but my mom's doing good so let me just say that my oh, mom's doing very well that's nice yeah. to hear and Jeremy, you know, your story is quite incredible. Uh, and I know there's been talk of, you know, perhaps Hollywood wanting to do a film about it. But um, from from your point of view, was it sort of inevitable in a way that you would end up in the criminal justice system? And because in a way, what were the options for you? What was, what did it give you in a sense? Because we talk about gangs and all that sort of stuff all the time, but it's a sense of... I guess underneath it all, a sense of belonging and a sense of survival. That's not to say that crime is fine and to, to, to okay it, as I'm sure you wouldn't. But just tell us what that life in crime and being in the in the gang was all really about underneath it all. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's bigger than that. You know, it's, why are we even secluded to these small areas and put into this box and then set up to then war against each other it's the system with the puppet masters it's it's a, all a design to keep people in the projects in the ghetto um with no resources with no education um you know everything you're being taught um, the public schools, you're being taught how to be an employee, you know, um, and in private schools and good schools, you're being taught how to run a business. You know, you are not given nowhere near the opportunities or the chances or the system. The system is not broken. A lot of people say that the system's broken. Um, it's not broken. It just was not designed for people of color. Do you think, uh, Jeremy, with what's been going on following the, the tragic death of George Floyd, that actually this is a moment globally, because it's had a huge impact over here as well, 
uh, for that system to be readjusted, that people are finally sort of cluing up to that what it is that you're being faced, you know, that, that means it's not working. Do you, is, is this the moment that we've been waiting for? Because there's been a lot of false dawns along the way, hasn't there? I pray, you know, I, I pray it's very sad that um, in the year 2020, we are, start, we are still talking about civil rights. That's it, civil, the right to be civil in 2020, you know, um, I, I really have to be careful with what I say because I'm very emotional. This really holds, you know, I have been a victim many times um, at the hands um, of the police. Um, and many times I had it coming, but numerous times I didn't, and I was just extremely victimized. So, but, you, but, but uh, Jeremy, I mean, we, we, we should point out you're a convicted criminal. You were part of a criminal gang as well, and undoubtedly the circumstances no, which got you there. The, the, if, the, you videos, if you see the videos and you see people handcuffed and they pose no threat whatsoever, um, doesn't matter if you have a record or not and when you're handcuffed in yeah and jeremy can i just ask you you know you your life was uh turned around by this mugshot of you that was that was released um, and yeah. i mean it's such an extraordinary thing to have happened to you really did you have any when did you have an idea that this picture a was going viral and that b it was somehow your ticket out of your past and into something completely different where you are now indeed as a businessman now you know you were saying you're not set up to to learn how to run businesses and to have power but now you have it what did that when did you realize that that picture was changing your future um that picture came out within 24 hours and i had never had a social media of any sort so i didn't know what viral meant um when the news came to see me, I found out that viral meant worldwide. It was out there for everyone to see. So it, things changed very fast uh, and for the better. Um, such a blessing. It gave me, um, you know, the means to support my family legally um, and really educate myself on business and educate my children and it has put me in a position to where now I own my own clothing line. Yeah. You know, I'm very proud to say that I'm a black designer, you know, um, a black business owner. Um, I feel like now is the time where, you know, it's an incredible time where you can be on the, the right side of history uh, or the wrong side of history. Um, you know, are you for justice or uh, do you want to stay stuck in this time that we have been stuck in for so many years and 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 we're still here? Um, these are just these are scary times we're in right now. Um, but I also think that these can be some really incredible times. Um, again, I am very proud um, to see Lewis Hamilton losing using his platform to speak on all these issues. I feel like so many, influencers and celebrities should definitely lose use your platform more um 
Yeah, it sounds. I mean, it's, it, you're, you're absolutely right. As, as are you now, Jeremy, which is which is absolutely fundamental to your reputation. You've set up this clothing line. Uh, we know that the grandfather of one of your your lovely sons is Philip Green. He has a, a history of, of retail within the within clothing line and stuff. Have you spoken to him about how to make a success of the business? Are you offering you any ideas with the designs? Um, I haven't. I haven't really spoke too much with him about it. I'm kind of trying to figure it out. I know he's always there if I need some advice, um, but I think we're doing okay. We were actually going to be launching um, two weeks ago, but with, you know, what's going on with the world, we just had to put it on hold. Um, but when the time, when everything settles and the world is hopefully back somewhat right, um, we will be very excited to launch and I will put it out there. It'll be in retails all over and you can go to jmix.com to buy some when it opens, when it launches. Okay, but I love my f you. Um, at what point, and I'm sure you get into the things like this in the book. It, it felt to me always like I use you guys as an example of guys who figured out what was working, and everyone sort of got with it. Like it became clear very early on, meth was working. Yes. And did, it seems like everyone sort of fell in line of like, boom, if this method man thing is going, go ahead, meth. No, because everything perpetuates everybody, everything else. That's, was, that's, that's, but that was generosity. I feel like you guys always were pretty generous with understanding that. That's all in the book, too. However, that was a ph philosophy. Yeah, that's it. all. It's, it's all about when you when you down with a team. If if one brother is LeBron and we going for the ring, everybody get the ring. That's what really matters. You know what I'm saying? And at the same time, everybody can't be in the forefront, but everybody at this forefront does shift. It changes. It goes from meth. It goes from dirty. It went from RZA. It goes. It goes. It switches all around. And it goes click, click, click. Now it's on me. And it goes around. And you know what I mean? It just keeps clicking, clicking, clicking. But at the same time, the flag, the wolf flag, never falls. Yeah, it's an amazing. Uh it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing brand. It's an amazing cultural phenomenon. I, I think Wu-Tang is as important as anything we've ever seen. I mean, when you talk about hip-hop internationally and resonating with people everywhere of all different backgrounds, to me, it's, it's Wu-Tang and Tupac. Like, that to me is the conversation. <laughs> you go put us in with Pac. That's it. No, I'm dead. <laughs> it's like if you were to go to the random, um, the random music shop in Denmark, right? That has like T-shirts of yeah, they got us up in there. It's Wu Tang. Tupac's yeah. there, Wu Tang's there. Yeah. Maybe Biggie's there. Maybe the other stuff's there. But I'm telling you that Wu Tang logo and Tupac, I think, are the things that have maybe carried more than anything else we've ever seen before. What uh, are you enjoying music today? What you mean, as far as the hip hop? What, what the kids are doing? Yeah, yeah, man. These kids see as as you get older and you become a musician. You no, know, you're a musician. You can't get disgruntled. You can't be on some, ah. It's terribly, it's unbecoming. Yeah, it's terribly yeah, unbecoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's disgruntled old man shit. Yes. And, and more or less, I had to learn that that early on, like years ago, I learned, you know what? I got to let things in for in order for me to be creative and in order for me to keep the juices flowing and, and keep my hand hot. And, you know what I mean? Because I always felt like right now, at this time of moment, you know, our production kind of took a nosedive. So, so it's like... I still want to listen to what kids are doing because I like, you know, what's going on. And I feel like these kids are having fun. And I want to have fun too, man. 
You know what I mean? I'm about having fun. I really, you know, just because I'm, I'm, I'm getting older don't mean I'm still, you know, I'm not a kid at heart. Right, that's what I was to say, because hip-hop, the thing that people, I think, don't realize is, like, uh, a lot of people, I'm sure you get it as much as I do. Yo, man, how do you how do you mess with all this new stuff, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. When you're in hip-hop, it, 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 hip-hop makes you young. Yes. Like, it makes you always, you're always listening to what's going on. You have on. to be young, minded. You young, have to be young, young. It doesn't, mean you have to, it doesn't mean you have to make bad decisions to pretend to be young. That's right. But from a listening to sound standpoint, how can you check out and, and write off other stuff and say, no, 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 what we had was it? And as you pointed out, when you decided about production, sometimes you, people will send me beats. They'll be like, oh, what do you think of this? And I'm like, bro, I know what you're doing because you know I like the classics. But just, I like the classics. I don't need you to make the classics now. The classics already happened. You're not going to make. You send me the beat to protect your neck now. I'm like, well, that already, that already happened. We gotta, we've grown. Things have changed. That's right. Um, who are your? Do you have any particular favorites of new newer artists um, of the last several years? You know, Vert. You know, Uzi Vert. I I like all these little youngers, man. You know, Migos and all that. I like Cardi. I like Cardi because she came from the from the streets and all that. You know, I just like. I like all this new stuff, man. I'm just, I'm just listening to what dudes is doing and and, and seeing how these you know the, the youngers are having fun. And I want to have me some fun. I'm gonna have, I'm going to have me some fun. So when we when, before we started the interview, I was asking you about um, the New Yorker article, and you said yes. you liked the article, you did not like the headline. Yeah, because they always got me as some. Um, it said like the least loved member. Yeah, of the like Clan. like you got a, you got a bunch of children, and it's on the children. He's the least loved kid. <laughs> I'm like, yo, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> Woe is me. Get the, come on, man. I'm like, come on. I'm not the least love. You'd be surprised. A lot of people know me, man. Right, right. It's like more people that you really, ex I, I was shocked. You know what I'm saying? And at certain, like the level of people know me. It's just that it's, it's quiet and it's just the way I like it. Right. Not too much over the top. Not, oh, every time I sit down, somebody trying to hit me for an autograph. Nah, nah, I'm cool with that. But I like how you pointed it out, too, because not even that. It, <laughs> it was interesting what you just said. You didn't point out that you were offended that they said it. You don't like the fact that it makes you look woe is me. Like, you're like, I'm the least loved member. Yeah. Of you're very happy with how things have worked out. Yeah. I'm like, woe is me. I'm the least loved child. <laughs> he doesn't get no love. I'm the least loved member of the most popular group. How sad. Yeah, like, how sad. You know how many rappers? that are out there right now that I'm sure you run into like I said who we talked about who don't look as good they haven't gotten to live this run you've gotten to continue every year I mean I'm sure some years were better than others but over the last decade the it's a roller coaster everything, some years you're good some years you're not some years you're good some years you're not it's two fucking years you're good years not. It's but a, here's my question on the years that were not good was the money still relative to an average person's life pretty good what do you think Yes, I would say yes. Yeah, That's my assumption. Exactly. And then the years that are really good, like Coachella, and you're doing every big festival, I'm guessing those years are really damn good. It, it goes up and down. You know, some years you can make a ton of money, and some years, you know, you make, you know, minimum amount of money. You know, that's that's the thing about, you know, even even like the, um, you know, the women in our life, you know, our, our children's mothers, they don't understand certain situations either. Some years it's fucking awesome, and then some years you dry. You know what I mean? Because that's how the that's how the music is. Right, you know? and you can't go blowing what you you. That's the year you live off the savings. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of waiting yeah. for the next. You pay thing your to taxes. Come. You wait for the next little thing to come in the boy, or you create a new project. Like I said, I do the books. I do do the writing. Right now, I'm getting to more in the writing mode you know what I'm saying right now I'm an official author you know That's what I mean? what, and you're enjoying that this is a good role for this you this is a good thing because you know I have another career outlet now 
I mean, another um, another another revenue stream I can just do what I happen to do worried about music all the time. You know what I mean? I can use my imagination. This one is nonfiction. The next one I'm gonna write might be might be fiction. What's the what's the? I would like that too. I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm very excited to read it raw. The book, which you can also you can go on iTunes or wherever and listen to it on tape. Yes. Or you can buy it uh, online on your Kindle, whatever. Go buy the book. Um, what is the best Wu-Tang album? And when I say the best Wu-Tang album, I mean any, including the group, including solo well, projects. Well, I always say sonically, sonic-wise, production-wise, I think Iron Man probably was the best sonically-sounding album. Mm. You know what I mean? And as far as, um, 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 you know, other production-wise, probably forever. Those two albums right there. Forever sonically is... It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's how crazy. big it sounds. Yeah, it sounds juicy. And um, these are you know these are the things we go through and the arguments we go through behind the scenes with new records, because we have to compare. I'm like yo, dog, you cannot go down from that. You got to go up, and that's hard. Because man, that record I remember. So just to take you through where I was in that life, and I'm sure a lot of people listening will understand. When when forever dropped, I'm 17 years old. Oh, you was a little man. Yeah, I'm in I'm in high school. I'm D I'm the DJ though. I yeah, I know you used to play used to play bizarre. I know. Yeah, so I'm I'm, like, <laughs> so I'm just a DJ. I'm just a DJ in high school, and but all my friends in my suburban high school in DC were all into Wu Tang, right? So everyone was, as you know, you met a million me's out there. They just didn't go do it professionally. But we we went to Beach Week. You guys dropped summer, right? June. Yes. So it was Beach Week. Which, you know, I don't know if people who aren't from the it Burbs was, know about that. Summer too. That was a lovely summer. Well, it was a beautiful summer. summer. And it's my Beach Week. Now, I ended up getting sick at Beach Week, which is a whole different story. But for the time when I was healthy at Beach Week, we had that every morning. I would just hear from downstairs. You know, like it's the first time you go rent a beach house with your friends. Mm. It's like your big week to celebrate. Yeah, All yeah. the girls are, everyone's there together. Yeah. Every morning I'd wake up and just hear that. Wu-Tang, motherfucker. I mean, at 8 a.m., people pop up. And, and so sonically to this day, it's such a big sound. And it's interesting, too, because it drops um, just a couple months after Biggie drops. Oh. And Biggie... What made Puff such a genius musically was how big he makes records. No, that's what I said. Sonic, right? Mathematics. It was. It was building. You know what I mean? And it was never really a, a joining process. Yeah, I guess there was. You know I, mean? I know. We always fans are always like, "How did you join?" Yeah. Well, it wasn't a jumped-in process. Right, you right, know right. What I mean? But um, I was I was blessed enough to you know be lyrically gifted enough to make that squad what was the first record you were on mr be a chess boxing first rhyme i ever wrote really first rhyme i ever wrote took it to the jizza to get his approval and his opinion and when he told me i had something i took it serious you know and at that point how did your relationship how did the friendship start let's start there how did your friendship who was the other members that you I, i'm always curious Right. Everyone came from different angles to come right. together. What was your foray? I came from the Brooklyn Chamber. You ah. know what I mean? Came from the Brooklyn Chamber. I um I met Jizza actually through my brother True Mass, you know. True Master, all right. True Master. Um legendary producer. Um and when me and Jizza, when we met, we just clicked, man. We just clicked right off the top. You know what I mean? And and it was everything actually other than music. You know, it was it was it was chess. You know what I mean? It was it was mathematics. It was it was building. You know what I mean? And you know, music was actually 
last because I, I, really? I, I, I most of our days are chess days. You know, that's my chess partner. You know what I mean? And still we'll, to this day. Still to this day. We'll play 72 games in one day. Come on. I'm serious. I'm serious. We, are, I'm guessing you're smoking while you're doing this as well, right? Oh, we, we, we're chilling, man. Okay, so it's an entire <laughs> day of chilling of... Yeah, yeah, just chilling, man. You know, and, 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 and mind you, there's different ways to play. So we play on the clock. So the games are not... How long's the game then if you clock it? Six minutes. Three, three for him, three for me. That's it? That's it. So within those six minutes, one of us has to win. Or you, if your time runs out, game is over for the person that time is, is run out on. How do people <laughs> view timed chess versus like an open-ended game like how how is that seen by someone who's very into chess is one more respected than the other well one is just on the clock and you have to you it's know a different way of thinking speedy you have to, you know speed chess you know what i mean you have to think fast you know what i mean that's so interesting i never i, I okay so in you guys so at what age did you guys start getting into uh to chess Oh, man, I, I mean, chess was introduced to me at a very young age. I had to grow into the patience of chess. I was more into checkers, because checkers is a fast pace. Even though checkers, you have to be, you know, you have to have strategy, and and, and, and um, it's a very strategic game as well. Yeah, it's funny, people belittle chess. I mean, checkers. They yeah. go, oh, this, is this ain't chess, nah, this ain't chess, it's checkers. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, but you, you know, you have to respect checker players as well. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just a faster-paced game. Okay. Uh, chess is more of a, now you have to slow down a little bit and understand what each piece does. You know what I mean? Each piece has a different function. Why did Jizza get into chess? Why Why did that start as a thing in the first place? Because I was beating him up. And he was like, we need to do something else. <laughs> this isn't working. For but it is an interesting game for young dudes to play. Right. Right? right. I mean, it is random. I mean, I mean, it teaches you, I mean, it, it's, it's a beautiful um, game of patience teaches you to think first before you move or before you speak you know we have two ears one mouth you should listen twice before you speak once you know um it gives you gives you jewels of life that's very valuable and can be used in life you know what i mean according <laughs> to your uh discography they have uh chess boxing first so that's right right followed by snakes on old dirty's album that's correct followed by this little classic right here are you are you part of this intro to this record too or were you there for that too or no well i was there for everything okay you know what i mean but you're not it, talking on this though no i'm not speaking I'm not speaking it's just ghost telling a story about yeah. qualities yes yes, yes. yes. classic skit right here. And this, you know what i'm saying i'm not even like you hear the hot 97 drop in the background <laughs> like the radio's on this is the third one this is the first third yes, appearance sir. yes sir 
Let's let's go through your verse here for a second. Raise first. Mm-hmm. Um, how how are you this is the first rhyme this is the first rhymes you're ever writing in life first rhymes i've ever written in my life so you don't have like a huge notebook each i don't song, have i don't have any notebook each song is just <laughs> what you've written for that song exactly because that rhyme you hit right there, the international vocalist, the right. style is too loco to, with this. Right. So that's pretty complex rhyme schemes for someone who's making this up. Right. But at the same time, I've, I've, I wasn't a, a local person. Um, I mean, you know, hip hop didn't, you know, I didn't start traveling being in the hip hop industry. You know, I was already, uh, you know, moving around. Yeah, moving around, Doing traveling. What? Um, you know, my mother kept me, you know, um, traveling and going different places. And I was blessed to see different, you know, places. One of them at, um, as a matter of fact, my brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico are going through it now. But I was, you know, wow. able to, you know, travel and go to Puerto Rico maybe at the age of 10 or 11. You know what I mean? Florida and Texas and things of that nature. You know what I mean? So I was always traveling and moving around and. So did that make your... Where exactly in Brooklyn were you from? Brooklyn, uh, East New York, Bed-Stuy, everywhere. I, I lived all around Brooklyn. So is that... Was, was that an unusual experience, you know, compared to the kids around you, that you're jumping on planes and traveling with your mom as a kid? Def- definitely. And it was experiences that I never shared because you would be like the like a misfit, like you're, the, like you're the, the nail sticking up. You know what I mean? It's like those experiences, you know, you don't want to come back and seem like you're rubbing it in your friend's face you know some of my friends probably never been on a plane before you know what i mean so you don't want to come back and share those experiences with your friends and you know their condition you know i was blessed you know i mean i had a mother that wanted me to see other things in life besides just the the street corner what did your mom always have a pretty good job and was able to make those things happen she had a decent job she had a decent job she was she was a hard-working woman how many siblings did you have I was her only child. Got it. So you, the two of you could just move around together. Right. I was her only child. I had other brothers. My father, you know, my father's a Rolling Stone. Okay. Got it. Got it. But you yeah. only live with you and your mom. Correct. So as a result, when your mom wanted to go away, it was just the two of She just had to pay for the two of you to go away. Exactly. exactly. Um, and, and at what age did you meet the Jizza? Um, wow. Uh, I want to say maybe 2021. 20, so he was already on. Yeah, he was already on. He was, he was and, a coach, and, 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 and yeah, he was already done his thing at coach, and I had no knowledge of that. You know, you didn't even know past the bone. I didn't even know past the bone. You know, um, I'm, I'm <laughs> I didn't know come do. I didn't know any of that. You know, um, um, like I said, I actually met him through True Master. You know what I mean? And um, and and Jizza, man, you know, I, I learned a lot from from my brother Jizza, and um. You know, he would, like I said, he would never, you know, he wasn't one of those MCs that, you know, wants to rhyme all the time for you and display his rhyme techniques and saying rhymes. And, you know, he was always so cool with it. You know, we'd be together and I remember <clears throat> people coming up to him and I guess they knew who he were and they would want to battle him and stuff like that. And that was the era of, of <laughs> you might just want to show up and battle someone on the spot. Yeah, and he would listen to these brothers, you know, kick their rhymes, but he would never say anything. 
know, so one day I asked him, like, yo, what's, what, what is this all about? Why these people keep approaching you? You know what I mean? Because I had no idea that he was already on, you know what I mean, to that degree. You know what I mean? People knew him. He had a video. He was doing his thing, cold chilling, you know? And, um, but, uh, yeah, I learned a lot from the brother, man. You know what I and mean? And so he started, <clears throat> and, and how early did you meet Old Dirty? All around the same time, all around the same Got time, it. like one after the other. It was like a domino. What was Dirty like in those days? Free. Free-spirited, you know what I mean? Um, you know. Always the wild dude? Always well, that guy? I mean, I would say free. Not always wild. Okay. But wild to the point of outside of the box thinking. <laughs> you got know it, I mean? got it. Not boxed in. I'm, I'm free. I'm, I'm a free. But not, spirit. but also not the version of him that, was, that, that, that was, we came to know later when he was at that point doing drugs a lot of the time and appeared to be wilding. It wasn't right. that. He was just a free spirit. Right, right, right. And always had a special energy, I'm guessing. Always had a special energy. Always had a special, especially when it came to music. I mean, oh man, I miss him. Like he, I remember um, when I came to Jizza with my thoughts on paper as far as chess boxing, and I remember him coming to Jizza's house that day, and I also let him read my thoughts. You know what I mean? He was like, "You wrote this." I was like, "Yeah." He said, "But you gotta, you gotta know how to say it. You gotta say it with attitude, and you gotta get that. You know what I mean? Because you know he had that, that aura in him. You know what I mean? And um, you know." That was one thing, you know, about him when, you know, he was a special, special brother when it came to this music, man. He got busy on that one, too, on Chess yeah. Boxing. Oh, yeah. yeah Represent. Yeah. You, you hear his energy. Yeah. That's what he was trying to convey to me, you know what I mean, and wanted me to get, you know, be more of that, you know what I mean? Well, but. he was the <laughs> ultimate vessel. He allowed, uh, to me, a lot of times, I love really lyrical rappers, mm. and I love people who just feel the energy also, and the best, I think, are the people who allow, who do both, right? Mm, right. I think that's probably why I'm known as such a Kendrick fan. Mm. It's because he's both lyrical, yes. but he never, you know he listened to the beat. You know he felt the music yes. when he allows, that's why he does lots of, like, the random sounds, the do-do-do-do, all right. that kind of stuff is just, right. and Dirty was a master at just being part of the song. Being he was an, an instrument. instrument. See? <laughs> Good Wizard of Poetry is in stores. Absolutely worth your investment. Mm hmm. See, everybody thought I was singing. What do you mean? It's like they thought I was, when I told them I was doing this type of album, they thought I was going to be singing, man. Like auto-tune, auto-tune auto singing? Nah, I guess just singing, like, you know, it's like, nah, I don't sing. I mean, you sing in the shower, but you know, that's about it. Yeah, but you have a couple different, like, you know, you got that. I don't, I don't know how to sing like these dudes. I wish I did. Because <laughs> then you would let out. it go. I blow them all out. That's my word. <laughs> you know so, what I'm saying? So what is, the, what, what is the running theme of your relationship talk? Like, what is your, what is your take on, a, on relationships these days? I mean, I, I guess the, the bottom line is just being happy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we all go through our struggles and trials and, you know what I mean? Like the Chris Brown, Rihanna thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, we don't really know what went on. 
Right. You know what I mean? We assumed, and sometimes, you know, like, she might really still love that kid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we've been through stuff like that in our lives where, you know, it was times, you know, when I was younger, I did what he did. You know what I'm Is saying? That right? I mean, yeah, but you know, but not probably not as much, not like black in nobody's eyes and stuff like that. But you know, you do that, man. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Go. Listen, I mean, you. I mean, you. I mean, sometimes that's like a part of growing up. But you can't, you know, get into people's relationships, man. You know I'm what I'm surprised to hear you say that. I'm gonna be a hundred. All right. I'm gonna keep it one hundred I mean, with but you. But I'm, um, because um, you seem like you seem like somebody who would understand that. Under any it means, took that me that time is to not understand. To Listen, happen. but it took me. You know, when you younger, you kind of wild out without thinking. You know what I mean? It had to take me some time when I was like, "Yo, you know what? That's not my daughter." You know what I mean? That's God's gift right there. I'm not supposed to really be touched. I can't. Put, I'm not supposed to put my hands on that woman. Right. You know what I mean? So it came to me like that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It might take brothers. You know, because women, I love women. Women is that's the best thing that ever happened to men. Mm -hmm. Was when the woman came. That's true. Thank you understand you. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And 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 you know, that's our that's our flower. So it's like, what am I doing hitting that? If I gotta hit you, then I don't need to be with you. Yes, absolutely. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she said that he said that's you know, my flower. Is that that's you, my flower? Is that what you throw down on the ladies? That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's flower. how you throw, you be like, that's you, my, my, you know you're my flower. Bro. That's my flower. And you know they what eat me? it up, don't they, ghost? You tell me. <laughs> 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 you see? You see? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>